Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can I get like a NASCAR 101 on the important why this part is? Sure. My answer is I really don't know. <laughs> Was it too short or too long? I don't know. And I How don't, does it affect the car? Man, y'all are really exposing me here. I, I don't know that I don't know the reason this why you would want the cars, Travis. They don't know anything. No, else I shut up, Jared. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental. I'm Denny Hamlin. I drive the 11 car for Joe Gibbs Racing and the co-owner of 2311 Racing for Bubba Walls and Tyler Reddick. And your co-host is uh, Purple Vest Guy 560. Jared Allen, I take photos for Denny Hamlin. And others. And others, yes. Yeah. Um, So we had some off-track stuff this week. A little bit of uh, news as far as the uh, musical chairs of uh, seats go. Uh, We had Carson Hosfar, who signed with Spire. That that was not a very well-kept secret there. Uh, But, you know, great for him. He's kind of, he's going to compete completely skip over Xfinity uh, and go right to Cup. So I think a lot of that has to do with the results that he's had um, when he has subbed so far for Noah Gregson. Um, yeah, he's had some great results. Um, do you have any feeling on this? I'm just curious of what you um, would say the expectations are for him next year, considering for the most part, when he's driven a cup car this year, it's been one of the legacy cars. Right. What should his expectations be in the 77 Spire car? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say they should probably, the expectations should be for him to run probably on average, maybe two or three spots worse than what he's currently running in the 42. Um, that's just a guess. I, I, I have no idea. Um, but it would, that would put him in the range of kind of where Corey's at. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you never kind of know within race teams, like what resources are poured into what, especially a a team like Spire Motorsports. It's, um, you know, you don't, you know, we, for the greater part have not known, well, what team gets the resources and you would think, well, they're under the same roof, they would be the same, but there's an opportunity there where maybe one team has the A engine program, which means that whatever's the latest and greatest from Hendrick Motorsports, that's what the seven car or 77 has. And I think maybe for a while, the 77 was a B car. So it, it got all the you know stuff that was probably six months, eight months, maybe a year behind. Uh, maybe it was used more. You don't, you just don't know. Um, so, as far as I understand, the 77 has the same thing that the 7 does. Now, of course, the 77 does not run, um, you know, kind of close to the 7 uh, right now. Um, so I think Carson should, in my opinion, probably run uh, as good as Corey LaJoy. Um, so 
I mean, that would be a good expectation for him to run next year, which means that's, what does that put you in points in the low 20s? Somewhere in there. So Corey is currently, this is owner points, uh, the seven car is 26th in points, and the 77 is 33rd. Yeah. So there's a little gap there for sure. But, wow, Corey's 26th. Yeah, the mm. 43 and the 42 are 27th and yeah. 32nd. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. They haven't been as strong. Um, they, they started a year off, you know, decently strong. Uh, but they've kind of tailed off a little bit. So my expectation is he's run right there probably in the low 20s um, consistently uh, and then pop off some good finishes here and there. Uh, I guess we already knew this too based on the announcement um, back during Bristol, but Spire is now officially a, a three-car team. We mm-hmm. know that it'll be Carson, Josevar, uh, Zane Smith, and uh, Corey LaJoy. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, it, that's going to be new, interesting for sure, and see how that all plays out. Obviously, Zane is just kind of on loan uh, over there for Track House. That uh, is a TBD seat of where Zane will go in 2025, but you, you gotta you got to assume... Um, you know, they're either going to, you know, look for a charter and, uh, you know, run three cars or, you know, this could be a possible replacement for the 99. Over in the Xfinity series, Sheldon Creed will not return to RCR next season. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot on this either. Usually I've, I've got some backstory to it. Um, I, I do chuckle at times the RCR, um, you know, responses, they're just, their tweets on the, on the blackboard, <laughs> I guess you, you could have, um, I don't, I, you know, Sheldon made it really clear in his message, um, or announcement that he was, he's decided to leave RCR, right? I mean, that was like the first sentence. Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he says, I'm deciding I'm, I'm leaving RCR. Um, Obviously, it sounds like uh, they. It, listen, it wasn't a Reddick situation where, you know, they were like, "Time it could not be worse." This is, I mean, I don't know. It's it, their their PR department over there, or something, is interesting for sure, and their responses uh, to these things. But, um, yeah, he's leaving. I I don't know where he's going, um, but you got to think he's got something uh, on his mind for sure. I mean. It's certainly the results have been lackluster, in my opinion. I, when I saw Sheldon Creed run trucks um, for many years, I thought, man, he's really, really good, and I think he's going to excel when he goes to RCR and Xfinity Series. And he just hasn't. He he hasn't run like I expected him to run. Um. I mean, he's battling around the same spot every week, and that's at the back half of the top ten, maybe even in the teens. Just they're not they're not clicking for sure, and so you can see why you know. And and I don't know why is that right? Is it Sheldon? Is it RCR equipment? I I don't know. Um, I just know that the results are not what I expected, and clearly it's not what Sheldon expected. And now you're going to find out wherever he goes next, like, is this a Sheldon thing or is this an RCR or, or a two-car team, uh, a two-car thing, right? 
So I just, you, I don't know. Uh, but it will be, you know, Austin Hill, he's got success. Um, I mean, a lot of his success has come on the uh, super speedways, but, you know, he's a, he's a contender, I guess you could say. Uh, certainly a more of a contender on the other racetracks. So, yeah, it's just, it that one's a head scratcher for sure. I uh, don't know what Sheldon's doing, but I would assume he would not leave unless he had an alternative, uh, you know, plan. Do you have any guesses on who may replace him and drive the two car? Um, mm, no, not offhand, not for sure. Um, one thing we certainly need to talk about is Riley Herps, and you know, I once the Xfinity regular season um, concluded. You know, I mentioned that I thought Riley Herbst not making the playoffs so this was a surprise. Um, he's been in the in the Xfinity Series for a while. You would think he would make it. He expected himself to make it. I expected him to make it. He didn't. Um, but I did see a trend of a driver that is getting better this year. Um, so it, it all finally came together this Saturday. Like, they really they hit the setup. I mean... Obviously, they hit the setup because I was watching lap times uh, throughout the event. And Riley was, when went out front, he was two, three-tenths faster every single lap. He just, I mean, he spanked them big time. And, you know, this is just, a, I think this is kind of a, a maturing Riley. He's he's getting, he is getting better. Um, we're not just saying that. He's His results, he's being more of a contender inside the top five on a regular basis, top 10 on a regular basis, where he wasn't before. So, And he's running against some some guys in the Xfinity Series that have been there a while. So I think that uh, you know this is a great win for him and, and that whole team. And I, I believe he announced he, he was coming back this week, right? Uh, so, yeah, that was a, a big one for him. I know in his hometown, uh, his dad, Troy, was there and um, – it's just a, a great, great all-around win for for him and his family, and in their hometown. And uh, I heard they had a nice little blowout that uh, at one of the places that night. So it's it's really fun when you get your first. Uh, you could see how excited he was when he got out of the car. It was just it was great to see. I'm curious. He had a crew chief change earlier in the summer. What kind? You know, what does that do uh, to a driver as far as? confidence goes what happens when you have a change of crew chief change of crew chiefs yeah I, I'm not sure did did he have a change of crew chiefs because somebody went over to cup or I wonder what it was what why he had the change maybe they weren't getting the results they were hoping for but I mean I don't I've never had I'm trying to think I don't think I've ever had a crew chief change mid-season except for maybe a suspension because of a tire falling off but yeah, I, usually anytime I've had a crew chief change, it's happened off season. Then you've got time to kind of get to know each other, figure out what each other expects of, of one another. Um, I'm imagining if it came mid season, it is difficult because you're, I mean, as soon as you get to the Monday or to, you know Tuesday of that week, you're, you've flipped the switch. You're going to the next event, right? And when you have someone new over there, what, what's their process to get ready? Like what information, you know, Riley's probably wondering, well, what does, what does he need from me? Like, is there certain information he's looking for? 
Um, he's obviously been the one that's been hired to write the ship. What does, what do I need to do to help with that? Um, it, it also puts a lot of pressure on the driver as well, because it, it's no different than a, a quarterback who struggles and they change the head coach. Well, eventually you keep changing these pieces out and, and, and the spotlight will shift to you eventually. Um, and so anytime you've had a bunch of crew chief change, changes, it, it, it definitely does uh, put the spotlight on you. And it seems like from whenever that point was, I, I think he's been better. But are, are you to give like different information? Like think about all the crew chiefs you had. Has like, does Gabe Hart now require different information that like wheels hasn't required yeah. in the past? It, it's just different. It's, it, it's a, it's a crew chief preference. Um, you know, they're trying to get your car driving as good as they possibly can. They're trying to be good leaders for their team. Um, everyone leads a little bit differently, and everyone has a little different style, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. And, and as a driver, you're just trying to figure out how can – the results haven't been good, haven't been running where I want to run. This new guy's coming in. What, what more information can I feed him to get him for something to click – to have them working on how my car can drive better. Like, uh, when you go back to racetrack, uh, maybe the crew chief, the new guy is asking more questions about, well, when we were here last time, you said you had this problem, that problem, and he will hyper-focus more than likely on those issues to try to fix them for the driver and and hopefully get the results. So um, it, it usually just is a reset. Uh, but yeah, each one is a little different and I've, I've worked with a lot of different crew chiefs, Xfinity series and cup, and they all definitely do things differently. That's for sure. So Riley's crew chief went to Briscoe. Okay. And so then Riley's was actually the lead. His new crew chief was the lead engineer for the 10 car and cup. Okay. Yeah. So it was just kind of a shuffling deal over there with SHR to kind of, and in that Kind of what happens at Gibbs as well. They'll they'll shift, you know, uh, Xfinity crew chiefs and engineers from Cup and switch out all around. So uh, it, it it certainly appears to me like it was a good change for uh, Riley. Before we move on to Las Vegas and this weekend, let's add some context to this Travis Scott concert from last week. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I was giving you. I was giving you flack on the plane, but I was, I had no issue. Uh, it was here. Here's, <laughs> I don't casually go out in, in a racing suit, uh, to a concert. What I thought Jared was going to piece together there is that I said, Hey, we got a box from Nike and Jordan brand right here in, in the garage. We should do an unboxing of basically whatever, is in that box. I have to wear something to the concert out of that box. No one knew that. You just placed it together like I picked this stuff out out of my closet. So, so yeah. I want I wanted, which that's okay too. Technically, so, it is part of his closet, right? I mean, if they send him a box, that's no. exactly what I thought. I was like, this is just Denny just grabbing stuff and throwing it on. And then I thought the fire suit was like a part of just like, all right. No, so the fire deck. suit was sitting on the on the kitchen counter because I re- requested it from Laletta over at 2311. It was Tyler's suit from Bristol. I'm like, um, I'm going to need that suit. So that was sitting there as well. And there was a box of stuff in the garage. And so evidently you and Charlie went through this and you picked out kind of your four, you know, three or four favorite 
obnoxious, ridiculous looking, ri- yeah. ridiculous outfits, loud. Yeah, loud, ridiculous, and had me uh, try each one of them on, and then had people vote on which one I should wear out. Now I was being a team player when it comes to this. Trust me, I did. There was not a whole lot, uh, but I did start to lean into it. Surely, as the night went on, right, uh, and so. I just threw the uh, Tyler Reddick suit in there as a alternate, and I was actually hoping that that was the one they were going to choose because I I knew that oh man the others, I mean I things always look a little better on other people than the, you feel like they look on you for sure. So I was um, I was going to be a little nervous because I just uh, yeah I I just th- those aren't things I would wear normally. And uh, I was a little nervous about their outcome. Luckily, they went with the suit. Couldn't believe the um, how many people were excited about the suit, though. Like, it, it, I, I got a lot of comments on the suit as I was going through the crowd. Um, they loved it. Uh, and so, I mean, the most common question was, are you NASCAR? Like, that was the question. Just, like, are you NASCAR? Are you NASCAR? <laughs> so, and I just said, Yeah. And then that's it. <laughs> so okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was fun. I, I went out with me and a bunch of friends to Travis Scott. It was his first um, concert tour date, uh, and it was in Charlotte. Man, I didn't have that. Was your kind of show? They had mosh pits and everything. It was huge. It wow. was crazy. I couldn't believe we were second row in the low in the lower level. Thank God I didn't buy floor seats. Well, I don't even, they're not seats, by the way. It's just, it's a mosh pit. So there's just people going crazy in there. Yeah. You must not know the history of Travis Scott. I do, but (laughs) it's the first time I've seen, that's the first time I've seen a mosh pit in in person. Oh, really? Yes. How tempting was it to go out in it? A little bit. A little bit because everyone, while banging into each other and pushing it, like they were still friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a unique situation because I mean depending on the show right you're you're in the circle and everyone's swinging arms and whatnot but immediately if someone if someone falls down everyone rushes to pick the person back up and then keep throwing punches or whatever that's doing. what I got a little worried of is like somebody's gonna get down to the ground nobody's gonna notice no no that's the complete opposite if someone goes down everyone picks them up but then they start hitting each other again oh man. I think I kind of would like to do it then. Yeah. You ever seen the Dewey Cox movie? He's like, I think I kind of (laughs) want (laughs) to. Did you get hot in the fire suit there at a concert? I did not. I thought for a while. Did you wear a cool shirt? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. Uh, And I did wear a shirt under though, because just in case I wanted, I did get hot. I was going to tie it around the waist, but I was fine. No issue. And, And I did get asked a few times, are you hot? I'm like, I'm in a car that's 125, 130. No, I'm good. I'm good here. So it was fun. The The mosh pits were awesome to watch. I mean, crowd surfing. I watched, there was this guy in a, uh, in Doctor's Scrubs that he was the, he was. See, your outfit wasn't that, that wild. Oh, no, 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 no. That's people. That's why we wore these. Like people wear very outlandish things to this concert. It's almost like a, it's like a Halloween concert, but 
Travis Scott apparel. It's just the wackier, the yeah. the more normal, right? So um, it was cool. Encourage y'all to go. It, it was he put on a great show. It was the first. He definitely had some hiccups in the show where like his stage person was come out like in the middle of the song and he talked to him and like they were working out some kinks for yeah. sure. But I thought it was great. It was the the. Twitter comments were funny because you had a wide range. You had people saying that, oh my gosh, this guy's got so much drip. You got others saying, oh my gosh, this guy looks like an <laughs> idiot. And then you got others being, Travis, is he talking about Travis Tritt? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great. Yeah, it, you could definitely tell that there was a group that they knew I was joking. There was a group that thought that's my swag. And then, yeah, that it was what the f*** he was what, what, what is he doing? What is Tra- who is Travis? Yeah. Who is Travis? Yeah, I mean, you didn't even put Travis Scott. You just I feel Tra- like you should know. I feel like uh, you should just know. No, it was, it was a little confusing for me, and I feel like I understood it then for a second, but it took me a minute to like... See? Like, I, you you failed this week, Jay. Yeah, he just made me I, look silly instead. I Well, you did uh, look silly. <laughs> I know, thanks. Mission accomplished. I thought people would know... Travis concert like I I did not think that would be it listen uh, the whole confusing. point was I was supposed to be going through the box if hey, I google Travis concert, I don't know what's in the Travis box Scott but concert. I'm gonna wear something that's in this box that was what it was supposed to be Travis the, the question at work was whose idea was it your idea originally didn't to do those that or was it Jared's idea Jared was it was it Charlie's idea Char- Charlie texted me. I was like, hey, by the way, Denny just got this box. I knew Charlie was kind of scheming. I think Charlie just wanted the box to be open so he could see what extra stuff was in there that he could take. You're right. You're right. Charlie, but, he, he plays both sides. We know that, right? Yeah. The old silver fox. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Charlie, Denny's idea. I was the, the, definitely I, not mine. How it was executed. But I was okay with it. I understood, you know, listen, you wanted to shoot some content and I I obliged. It worked out. It, it has a lot of views, way more than the average on Instagram Reels. So I don't care what he says. It, it did its job. Okay. All right. Well, moving on from that. Experience the thrill of the racetrack like you're in the driver's seat with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on your favorite racers and feel the rush of every pass, pit stop, and victory like never before. Right now, new customers can turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Bet 5 on anything to score big, no matter what goes down on the track. The action is going to heat up as drivers take on Homestead Miami Speedway. Could a playoff driver secure the win, or will another look to play spoiler? With so much on the line, make sure to tune into Dirty Modo as they handicap the field and recommend bets to watch. With props, parlays, and more, there will be action to follow all race long. The racing action doesn't stop till the checkered flag drops. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and join with code DENNY. New customers can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's code DENNY only on the DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 and older varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash autoracing for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. We actually had a race uh, this past Sunday at Vegas, the first of the round of eight. So there's only eight of us left. 
Um, generally speaking, uh, let, let's just give your, Jared, give me your kind of, you left there thinking what? Like, uh, I thought it was a, a clean, I thought it was a solid playoff race. I all, agree. All eight agree. drivers were super competitive. No one really had any issues during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were some comers and goers. It and, was kind of like a status quo race, right? It's like kind of yeah. what you expected. Nothing that wasn't, no playoff drivers had issues during the race. Right. Um. So, yeah, it was. I, I, I looked, I got back to the bus. I look at the scoring monitor. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, well, we all finished in the top 10. Yeah. And it was one of those races, too, where the best driver probably won. I mean, mm-hmm. qualifying was Larson and Seabell, and no Larson doubt. and Seabell were the top two guys on Sunday as well. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, best best car, best driver won. Uh, no question about it. Uh, you know, he he spanked the field when it at, at Texas. Um, Kyle Larson did and, and backed it up with a really, really strong run uh, at, at Vegas on Sunday. Um, he really didn't have – I mean – I was gonna trying to think. Did he have really some contenders throughout the day? But once he was out front, it didn't look like there was many contenders um, until the very end uh, with Seabell. I, I didn't know if lap traffic played a, a role in that or not. Uh, but yeah, I think that clearly when it comes to the mile and a half, he's he's standoutish, uh, even to his team. Uh, you look at the team cars, the nine, the forty-eight, and twenty-four. You know, he's just been a, a gap ahead of those guys. Um, so it, it's just, uh, they got it going on right now and now they can shift their focus towards, um, Homestead, uh, or um, not Homestead to Phoenix. So what, what that means when someone says, and you'll see it in the media a lot this week, uh, Larson has got an advantage. They'll, they'll talk about Larson has an advantage because he can now shift his resources and thoughts into Phoenix. Uh, what that basically means is that he's going to spend extra time instead of doing, a bunch of work for Homestead and, and meeting with his crew chief about Homestead this, Homestead that, how can we do this, what's our strategy? They'll shift their focus into, you know, what what do we need to do to run well and win at Phoenix? And, you know, it's while it is a very, very small advantage, it is still an advantage because he's not having to, they're not having to hyper-focus hours and hours and hours on What's our strategy for this race or that race or Martinsville? What are we going to do there? Do we need to run extra sim time? It's not historically been a great track for him. He can forget all that. Pass that up and go right to Phoenix and and apply that extra time. I was hearing, though, that he had said, and Cliff Daniels had said, that it's not necessarily an advantage because you don't want to take your your foot off the gas, right? You don't want to take a break mm-hmm. and look away from these next two tracks. You don't want to go to Homestead and, and Martinsville and just run average and then show up at Phoenix, hoping to have that mojo again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that I understand that for sure. There's no question. There will be a shift of resources towards uh, Phoenix for sure. Uh, I, I mean, do we expect them to go to Homestead and run average? No, uh, we don't. We expect them to be up front. Uh, he was really dominant in that race last year. Um, so, you know, Martinsville, I'm not sure. Like, you know, you just, it's kind of roll the dice, but it really doesn't matter for him at this, at this point. So, um, isn't this more like a college football team, for example, when you have a cupcake, you can, you're going to focus and game plan for that week, but you're also going to 
spend a little extra time on the bigger game coming up. Yeah. Right? So my li- most likely, and and I've I don't know this for a fact, but I would think that a college team. Let's just say you're you're. At, what's your favorite team? Ohio State. All right. Let's say you're Ohio State. Or playing the Charlotte 49ers. <laughs> That'd be a good example. Okay. Okay, you've got Michigan in two weeks, but you play the, the Charlotte 49ers this week. Do you think the people in the film room are looking at Charlotte 49ers film? No. Travis, no. He's, they're not, right? They're, they're already putting clips together for Ohio State. Yeah, that, and, and that, for Kyle, he's going to – some people – all right. Uh, I think on uh, the Terran, they're like, and here's an extra 10 minutes that we're going to go work on the Phoenix car that we would have maybe worked on mm-hmm. the Martinsville car. Yep. Yeah, because you never, you, you don't want to assume, like even if you run second, you're not going to assume, they won't assume that they're moving on, right? They don't they don't know until they win the race. So they're going to have to, they feel like they go, got to go in every racetrack and win these next three. But now you don't. So absolutely, it will, there'll be a little shift there. Uh, but he's still going to be strong these next few weeks. I mean, Martinsville, I don't know. Uh, they he 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 as a as a driver has been very hit hit or miss there. Uh, he's had some better races for sure over the last few years. But um, you know, I think the twenty four four car and the forty eight. Uh, really, his other teammates have all been really good. Uh, the nine is won at Martinsville many times. So. Yeah, they all are going to be really strong, so I would expect Kyle to be pretty strong as well. But again, he, the the care factor will not be as high. That's just mentality. I'm telling you, he's he's shifting his focus towards Phoenix, which will be a very a small advantage, but it will be something. Did you see his save? Um, I guess it was early. In yeah, stage I one. was probably a stage half two? a straight. Yeah, I was a half a straight away back when he made that save. Um, all I saw was smoke. Um, and so I didn't know, and then I saw him dropping really quickly. Quickly, I think I passed him maybe down the next straightaway. Yeah, it was down the next straightaway on the front stretch. So I wasn't too far behind him, but I did see it. Um, I, I saw him comment that he was he felt lucky he that the wall was there, which absolutely helped him save it. Uh, but he's he's got a good technique for saving a car. Like it's the old lockdown, you know, eye racing lockdown the brakes and and then even though he was dropping a rock there because he probably flat spotted his tires um it uh he, he definitely got the caution that he so needed. how how pivotal do you think that caution uh, that was? caution i mean it was pivotal to him getting his track position back um so i remember if i remember correctly he fell back a spot or two a few spots I passed some others. And then when we came to pit road, he passed us right back. Like on pit road, he got back a handful of spots. Then he passed one or two cars on the restart, right? I want to say you actually had a faster uh, pit stop than him on that one too. But his uh, selection, he was right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's my fault. We qualified 15th and we, we had to go around a car uh, most of the day. However, uh I'm not sure who was driving. Is it the 15 or 51? Who's in the 51? Anyone know? We can look. Uh, but they did choose later in the race to stay out. So thank you, Rick Ware, crew chief of the 51, um, for allowing us to have an opening out there uh, late in the race because uh, you know they knew we were battling. Shout out J.J. Yaley. J.J. Yaley. Okay. Awesome. 
Um, yeah, they uh, they they chose to stay out uh, one of the cautions to uh, to let us pit cleanly. Um, so and that happens a lot. Actually, the TV doesn't talk about it that much, but sometimes guys in the back will choose to stay out when the pit road opens if they know they're pitted around contenders in the race. So it's just kind of a little courtesy to them. Um, so yeah, I is interesting on pit road. I thought. I thought we had a good solid day. I didn't notice any stops that were out of the ordinary, but we didn't. We definitely lost spots. You know, obviously one we came in the leader, came out I think third or fourth, something you, like that. You lost most spots. It seemed like just to the two car pit stops or the two tire pit stops. Like other guys would oh, come that's down. That's a point too. Yeah, you would lose spots to those guys Others who took two took tires. Two. Then you'd have to struggle to to pass them, right? Yeah. And, yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, all of it plays a factor, right? It's not just, you know, how fast is your pit stop. It's how fast are you rolling down pit road. All those things pay play a factor. Are you having to go around somebody because that, that affects your time leaving your pit stall? Or are you going around someone on entry? That affects your pit stop time. All of it plays a factor. But, yeah, it's there were some really, really fast pit stops out there. Um, the 20, he had the number one pit stall, so he would always gain – on the exit because of because of the timing line there so um yeah it was a it was a competitive race i we were racing around the same cars all day it seemed like uh you know the five the, the one made a really strong charge there towards uh the middle stages of the race he was really fast on the short run uh 22 was fast on the short run but they they would drop an anchor after that um so yeah it was a uh, I, I thought it was kind of status quo but larson dominated um, showed his strength, punched his ticket to the final four early. And, um, yeah, there's not, not much else. I mean, you had Gibbs, he lost a tire there. Um, it was interesting, the tire and the wheel, right? The tire and the wheel. But the tire was off the wheel. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? You tell me, you're the race car driver. I, I, clearly, I'm not a pit crew guy. I'm a race car driver. So I'm asking you to observe what happened. I, I, I didn't make any sense to me while the wheel was separated from the tire because it looked like the tire was i don't know it looked like it came just off the rim i mean obviously it was a loose wheel right because they didn't get the it was a loose wheel yeah it was a loose wheel yeah because they penalized and i mean the lug nut was still on the wheel like when it came off like it was all on one Hmm. i believe interesting yeah it's a race down through turn two between the wheel and the rim <laughs> damn so so they penalized him a couple laps yeah they held him yep huh the new old tire rule yeah it, that's better it's versus the four races and stuff like i agree let's get the penalty over with and uh that's the way they should do it they We're, did they did uh penalize two drivers for laying back Yep. Good job, NASCAR. Great job. We have to have this. The, this is going to get the attention of the drivers. I, they told me. Um, they told me to start the race. Hey, someone had been penalized in Xfinity for laying back. Stay, stay, t- stay closed up. Is this how? And then when someone had it at the beginning, maybe it was a forty. AJ Allmendinger. AJ. They just said, "Hey, they busted the sixteen for laying back. Stay tightened up." Like my team would tell me that. So that's. And then did they get the nine? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So 
they're they're putting a line in the sand that they're not going to put up with it. And certainly, this is what we asked for, and I applaud them for doing this because it had gotten out of hand. We saw how awful that restart was uh, at Kansas at the end with guys laying back. And so uh, I, I like this move, certainly. And hopefully it, uh, it it changes some people's mindsets when it comes to you know laying back on restarts. Is this how you set a precedence? You start tagging yep. these guys who are mid-pack, hoping that it gets to the guys who are in mm-hmm. the front so you don't mm-hmm. have to alter a race by black flagging the guy in second yep. or something? But it's but it's saying that we will do it. Yeah. Yeah. It chases cars a, a contender for the playoffs. Right. I mean, they're in the owner's championship. So they they took it serious by by you know dinging him. So yeah. What did you make of uh the nineteen teams decision to stay out on that sequence that you took the lead? They lost quite a bit of track position. I guess at the end of the day they, they made most of it back up or, you know, enough. But. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know where they ran all day because I didn't see them all day except for that time they did stay out and we passed right. them for the Well, they lead. were behind you, obviously. Yeah, 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 but it's, you know, I didn't know whether they just had handling struggles or they fought to, trying to battle back their track position. I don't know. I mean, how far back did they go? To, I believe 16th, Travis, the far they dropped back. That Maybe sounds right. Him, okay. and, him and Busher were, were back there mid, mid-teens. Yeah, so they rallied late. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been saying on this podcast for weeks now that I, I just think the 19 team is going to flip a switch and they're going to be there, and you just might as well count on it. Um, I I still believe it. <laughs> I do. I until, it, until they don't make the next round, I still believe it. Um, I think they were stronger than they, their finish yesterday. I will say that. I think that they did get behind on that call. I don't, I don't know there was a bad call though i mean i guess the result showed that it didn't work out but i mean there was others with two tires calls that it worked well i guess he was the only one actually stayed out uh that's that's you're nodding your head like wait a minute i was about to correct you they stayed out so yeah i mean i saw i saw martin because i was there was one car between us before we came to pit road he was very wishy-washy. You know, you can tell as a driver when you're looking at the car in front of you, is he pitting or not? You can very you can tell by the body language of the car. Like you you know because he's cleaning his tires off, that means he's getting re- getting it ready to go in the pit stall so he doesn't slide or he's 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 pulling down on the apron telling you I'm pitting here. I'm pitting. And you could just see with Truex, he was always a half a car wide to the right like giving himself an option to pull out on the racetrack or pull down pit lane. And he, for the most part, he was lining up and he was going down the bottom. And then I saw him, his car go a little to the right, then back to the bottom. Then he went to the right and he, I don't know how many laps were on our tires. Oh, it was at the end of stage. It was in the middle of stage two. One. He stayed out. It was at the end of stage one. End of stage one okay. because we had pitted. We had eleven laps on our tires. Because that's you came out second and you quickly went to the lap to take the lead and think then Hosevar yep. brought a caution out maybe. Yep. So we were on two. A handful of guys were on two. Then there was four. And so the problem with staying out is that you need to stay up front. Like you've got you really got to stay up front uh, because if you get swallowed up pretty early on restarts, it just 
it just keeps getting worse. Four tires are passing you every lap. You can't run the line you want to run because you got cars splitting you three wide. And so he needed it to, he probably needed it to go ahead and uh, have a quick caution so he could recover from that. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where they made a call to stay out. This probably seems like a, a great call, genius call if three or four others stay. I mean, it's that, it's just sometimes the, the right call is just dependent on what the others do. It's not your call. It's do others join you in making that decision. And when no one did, that's when it, that's when it could have been, yeah, we probably should have taken tires. I was just curious. I mean, that, that kind of answers this question that I was about to ask, but you know, is the 19 team right now just overthinking everything based on recent results throughout the playoffs, like trying to, you know, figure out how to get back into that uh, regular season winning form. I don't know. I mean, you know, in a few hours in the debrief, I'm going to sit right next night, right, right next to the 19 team. I'm actually, I sit between the 19 and the 45 team, um, in our Monday meeting. And so I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're overthinking. I, I don't think so. I think that that team's well led and, um, I don't, I, I'm not sure, but certainly the, the mojo they had is they don't have that. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like this sport is just so week to week that like you could have 10 bad weeks and if you're a strong team, you can turn it on the next week. Or I just, I feel that way because of me and my team, but, but that's all I know. So I don't know whether that is a real thing on others or not. So, um, but certainly they're they are you know, they're struggling to get results. They've gotten unlucky in, in this bad run of races as well. Um, but you know, you look off the at the playoff grid, they're still right there. They're still plus three. Uh Larson Byron Hamlin Truex is still the top top four. We started the we started the uh, playoffs uh, with those four or this round with those four up top and you still got them up top. So I mean, if there was a team that's gonna have issues for just the audio as a fan, James Small and Martin Truex is the, the car that you want to have because their uh, dialogue in the races is the best to listen to. Is it? Oh, it's the perfect. I, I saw a clip on, on NASCAR's Twitter, but I didn't open it. And it said that like this duo and it had a laughing mo- emoji. What? It's just constant. Like it, it, They sound like a married couple that is just like sick of each other. <laughs> But it's just like, but that's just how they operate. And that Truex said, like, I shouldn't have listened to you or something like, but I'm not good at that. Like, it's just, they're just perfect. And then James Small with the accent too, like just makes it. Yeah. I know that James is a pretty soft-spoken individual. He's very soft-spoken. And Truex is not shy about saying, I can't hear you. I can't understand you. You know, and he had to be, you know, for him to have an accent and soft-spoken, it's, and Truex is not shy about calling out both. It's just, you know, <laughs> it is laughable. It's, it's funny. It is yeah. funny. It's funny because it's not me. It's, it's not my situation that's going on. But they are a, a married couple for sure. They, uh, you know, they, they got that kind of relationship that they're all right with giving each other about stuff that maybe Ban- others are not comfortable with. Yeah, banter. Yeah, it's just banter uh, amongst uh, teammates. Yeah, yeah. Is Coke Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? I know that's a bold question, but it's got that irresistible taste to back it up. Well, one thing's for sure, when you've got an irresistible match like zero sugar and zero calories, 
something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing, it's hard to put it into words. But hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. Uh, one thing we haven't touched upon yet is how you feel about your day. Um, I mean, I'm obviously disappointed in our in the way we closed the end of that race. Um, you know, there was a couple defining moments. Uh, one was uh, restarted fifth, and then Logano split me three wide. I was tucked up on the car in front of me, pushing them. And then all of a sudden he gets a run on me and, and sticks me three wide in the middle. And that was still okay. But, you know, Chastain, he kind of, he gave me room on the out, uh, in the middle lane, but then all of a sudden he turned left and didn't give me room. And I'm squeezed between him and Logano. And I'm like, Jesus. I mean, (laughs) like two guys that don't care about the playoffs now, you know? And so, I'm I'm in the middle of them and I still hold my ground and it just then the caution came out, so I lost two spots, and then um, I think we restarted, we got some of those spots back and I and I and I liked my car, uh, but we had we I'd got sideways in one of the corners and got a little loose and and so we made some adjustments in in the in the last stop and it just didn't it didn't fit the car that well and. Uh, I couldn't go anywhere. It just was, uh, I had a ton less grip and just didn't work out. Uh, so we faded there to 10th. Um, you know, what we probably, I think about kind of where we should have battled. I mean, I certainly thought that we were as good as Bell throughout the day, if not better in the long run. Um, and just couldn't, just every time my car started coming in and I started to really go forward, a caution will come out and just never got the long enough runs to really let it all pay off for me. Um, so yeah, it's probably, you know, I certainly thought we had a top five car and, and ran in the top inside the top five for most of the day. Just didn't get the, didn't get the result. Um, you know, we didn't have a catastrophic day, but just, yeah, very, I mean, by our standards, uh, below average, um, on our day there for sure. How do you feel about the, the playoff grid now being plus four? I wish I was plus more. Um, but I, on, on, on to Homestead. <laughs> I mean, I saw, you know, on a Cincinnati by Bill check, Bill check. You just, I, I can't change the result, right? I can't go back and rerun the race. So, um, just moving on to Homestead and trying to figure out how to extend that gap and win the race. Post-race, Ryan Blaney was disqualified, left front shock, did not meet the overall length specified by NASCAR. Yikes. Uh, I'm going to need a show-and-tell session by NASCAR to why it was not. I, I don't know, was the shock altered or did they put it together and not meet the specified length. And, I, and the teams are pretty diligent on making sure that those are the right length. Um, how it ended up not being, not sure. Hard for me to speculate. We'll know uh, when we go to Homestead this week. Can, can I get like a NASCAR 101 on the important, why this part is, is there like? Uh, sure. 
My answer is I really don't know. <laughs> was it too short or too long? I don't know. And I How don't... does it affect the car? <laughs> Man, y'all are really exposing me here. I, I don't know that I don't know the reason These why guys you just would drive want the cars, Travis. They don't know anything. No, else I shut up, Jared. <laughs> I don't on this subject, listen, I didn't bring it up because I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I I need to do some research on it for sure. And I probably should have before I grab the mic today. I don't know whether you want that short or long and why you would want it short or long. So I don't know. I need to find that out. Um, but but it wasn't the specified length. That's for sure. And it was not the specified length. So NASCAR said you broke the rules and you get DQ'd. That's what they're doing. Go NASCAR. Doing a great job. Inspection, they're, they're not, you know... I can give you a NASCAR 101 about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They'd say, hey, don't do that. Don't do that again. They would let so much stuff go that was blatantly wrong, but they didn't. They were just apprehensive to lay down big penalties because they didn't like the bad pub and all that. Not anymore. They're like, we don't care who you are, what you're doing. Don't mess with this next-gen car. We give you the rules, play in those, those rules, and if you don't, you're going to get DQ'd. I'm genuine, so I like that. I'm genuinely curious if, you know, something like this was on purpose or it was just an accident. Because it, it seems like NASCAR set the precedent that you're not going to get away with cheating these things. If that's what you're doing. Which makes me think. Is it on purpose or an accident? If, if it's an accident, that is a huge mistake. Yeah, there's I, no way that something on the, that, the car is an accident. accident. I. When they did the show and tell on Harvick's windshield where they said, okay, these are airplane grade fasteners. This is not a washer. It pretty much told me what I needed to know on that, right? That these bolts did not accidentally fall out. Like they, they just don't. Like even if you unscrew them, you cannot unscrew them enough for them to fall out. I get it. It's, it's just not possible. It's just Blaney wasn't a race-winning car yesterday. So if you're taking this chance to... Was he better than he has been on mile and a half? Yes. So then what are we talking about? He didn't it need doesn't to be matter. A, he doesn't have to win the race. He just needed to make up points and stay a lot like... And he was doing I, a great job of it. I, I guess. He was still seventh in, in the standings post-race before the This is touchy penalty. for me because I don't know. I mean, did that play any factor in how well he ran? I have no idea. I, this is where I'm a race car driver. I am not a mechanic. That is for sure. Now I worked on my own when I was younger and when I crashed it, I had to fix it as well. But this is, it's too technical for me to answer. This is where we need, we need a real crew chief in here explaining why someone would want that shorter or longer. I'll get the explanation later, but it's going to be too late. Yeah. Did you cheat up your car when you were younger, when you were working on it? No, sir. No, sir. People thought, I mean, we were, we won so many races in late models. People thought that we were, but we didn't. We just, I had great equipment um, in the latter parts of my late model career. Won 25 out of 35 in 2004, set six track records that year. That's what got me noticed by Joe Gibbs, or really it was by J.D. Gibbs, who came to the test at, at, um, at Hickory. And then he called Joe and says, hey, I think we might have found something here. Um, 
but I just had great equipment and, and short tracks. I just felt, you know, like I was strong at them personally. I was strong at them. So, uh, we didn't, I, we, I can't recall any time we got thrown out of a race or, or disqualified or anything like that. Now they would tear us down every single week. And that used to be the biggest pain in the ass when it came to short track racing was that, you know, is is the track or a competitor would protest your car just to get you to tear it down, tear mm-hmm. it all apart, so to put it back together, just to make you spend money to put it back together. Because a lot of times, if it was an engine, you would have to send the engine back to the engine builder to get reassembled and put back together. So, and when they take it apart, they got to put new parts back in it, and it would cost you significant money. And so, if you just wanted to be a dick to someone, you def you could just protest them. And make them tear their car all apart, and you know that's that's the way that goes. Uh, I don't know if the, you know rules are still that way or not, but you know that was kind of a crappy system back in the day. But no, I, I don't recall. I didn't get DQ till I came to the Xfinity and Cup Series. I've had some encumbered wins. I had the one at uh, Darlington where they ripped the trophy literally right out of my hands, leaving the media center saying, "Um, sorry, we're going to need that back. Uh, your Xfinity car didn't pass inspection." I'm like what like and at that point like you got me a darlington what why do we need we don't need a a thousandth of an inch like (laughs) don't make it close just just let let me let me run the ball here um but but yeah it's just i think this is a changing of the guard and certainly nascar made it very apparent when they came out with this next gen and they told us all they told every team owner we're not going to put up with any shenanigans. And if it's not right, it's not right. There is no gray area here. It's black and it's white. And so they're they're putting their foot down and and it cost Ryan Blaney. Now he's 56 out of the cut. Um, he will not make up 56 in, in two races, so he will need to win. He's in a must-win situation. Uh, headed to Homestead this weekend. Thoughts? Um. I don't have any personal thoughts. I think that it's once again it's been a it's a strong track for us. Um, uh, I can't remember how we ran there uh, last year. I think we were somewhere in the top five. I got in the wall late trying to push, and I don't know. Probably finished sixth or seventh. Uh, but but I don't know. It's been been a good track for us. We won there two or three times. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's you know, I, again, I'm plus four. My, my goal is to extend that out and, and win the race. So uh, I, I love their track. There's been a lot of talk about should we move the finale back to Homestead? I don't know. It, if, if we run Homestead, you know, just because people aren't in love with the racing product at Phoenix. That's the reason they're saying this, right? Or should we move it around, move it back? They don't love the, the racing product at Phoenix. That's uh, that, that's a Goodyear problem, in, in my opinion. If we get the tire right, you, you will have a much better race at Phoenix. But um, we're they're trying, I guess, and it, it's just a really slow process to try to try to get it better. Um, just know that if NASCAR lets races play out as they should in the in the finale, if Homestead race goes green, do you know? There could be someone with a 15-second lead. And so you're going to have to be okay with that as well. So it's not just automatically going to be the light switch of, 
oh, this is the racing we're looking for. And some people like for it to play out naturally. They like someone to get a 15-second lead and show that, hey, I'm just spanking the field here. This is just, you know, domination. I'm one of those people. I like when they let it go, no no shenanigans, no cautions that were very questionable, like just just letting it play out because there's a lot at stake and the team spent a ton of money to uh, run well and they deserve, if they've got an advantage in the race, they deserve to keep that advantage. Um, and so I, I don't know what the right answer is when it comes to the finale and where do you put it, uh, but you know, you have a chance for a runaway every single race that we, we go to. So what do you think of Las Vegas potentially being thrown into the mix? I didn't think about that, but I think that certainly it could. Sure. Vegas could, Vegas could do it. The weather would, would be fine. Um, it's a know. destination city. This was brought up on the teardown, which is mm. why I'm, I'm asking you. Mm. Be a heck of a place to win a championship at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, oh, not going to happen. Why? SMI track. Mm. This is this is the red tape that that people don't know about that you're just not going to get around. NASCAR owns NASCAR owns the championship date. It will happen at a NASCAR owned track. Can't there be like a deal worked out there where a deal? They're not Jared, NASCAR's not going to there's no deal that Marcus Smith can like Oh no. I think the answer lies somewhere between y'all. I think there is a they could make a deal, but this is this is the politics of NASCAR. You know, it, you want to own the championship date because you get you know good ratings, great fan turnout, um, which means lots of con- ticket sales, concession sales, parking, camping, all that stuff. So yeah, they the one would have to concede to the other and then have to make a cash offer to to get it but vegas certainly is a racetrack and a city and a uh you know property that you would be okay with it being part of the championship weekend yes i just think that everyone wants to see the championship race rotate and i really just don't think there's that many options there's not yeah there's not because you know when we race till november when we go from winter to winter basically yeah (laughs) you know it's not i get it winters later but it's you you limit your options you know if our championship ended in september like it probably should or october then yeah you've got absolutely more options for sure yeah you want a destination city with good weather with good racing and there's very few places that now the only the negative part of it too right is that las vegas Fans don't turn out like they do at Phoenix. Phoenix sells out. You know, that's why we can bust on Phoenix just because of the racing product, but it's that the city turns out there. They're Would the camping. fans show up in Vegas though if it was the championship race? That's a big if, Travis. I do I do agree though that like there's so many things in Vegas to offer that it's hard to it's is also it, one is of it the... really a sports town though? That's that's what I'm saying. Like L.A. sometimes has issues drawing because there's so much to do. You're in Vegas. There's a billion things that they're offering. I know, but like this weekend, right? We were competing against a home Raiders game. The PGA Tour was there as well. Like 
saturation, saturation. Talk about like, you know, competing. Like you're, it's just, and we had our fair share of fans show up, but it's, there's only, for what it's worth, there's only so many sports fans. So where are you going to go? For what it's worth, um, if this is accurate, this is Wikipedia, so it might not be accurate. Um, capacity of Phoenix is 45,000, Vegas is 80,000. So, I mean, that plays a part in how it looks, right? Mm -hmm. If you took all the fans from Phoenix and put them in Vegas, it would look half full. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Um, again, for one entity, track entity, to give it to the other would be a lot of red tape and a lot of money exchanged because because there's value there. So I, I don't know that it will happen just because of that red tape. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is going to be challenging. I mean, where are the tracks that we really could go to? It's limited. It certainly is limited. Um, trying to think. Darlington is somewhat south, but it's, that's going to be cold. Travis is like, eh. Not cold. a destination city. And not a destination city. And no, they have to race on Labor Day weekend. And by the way, we don't <laughs> even have garages at yeah. at Darlington. The, the garage area is basically this asphalt with a lean-to. So it's, it's not... Yeah, it, you got to mark that one off the list. I don't even know. Then we start to get into super speedways. I don't know. That could be the next thing that's on our schedule. Don't be surprised. Daytona's our finale. Yeah. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Before we sign off, I got two Dear Denny's for you this week. First one, how is the Netflix experience going? It's going good. Um, I've been very open to those guys, and uh, certainly if you've seen around the racetrack, they've, they've usually got uh, you know about three guys following uh, us around and it's um you know they've got i don't know how many crews they have uh but i've seen i work specifically with this one crew um and i see that there's alternate crews of like maybe two or three others i'm not really sure but uh i'm assigned this one and they've been great to work with all those guys are just awesome like i you know i talk to them when we're not filming like they're they're all really cool guys and so They've been following around uh, for uh, is it a couple months now. Yeah, it's probably been a couple months, a few races before the start of the playoffs. And um, yeah, they're, they're, the intensity of them filming is going to keep, you know, it's going to keep ramping up um, as, as it trickles down. You always, you want to be, you know, one of the goals in racing is you always want to be part of the story the entire season, right? I mean, there's a handful of them that got eliminated in the round of 12, you know, even if you get eliminated in the round of eight, you're only irrelevant for one race, right? Cause you're still part of the story for 35 of the 36 races. Um, and so it's, it's really important, uh, you know, for us and certainly for our team, uh, to participate in it. We think it's a big part of, you know, a, a potential NASCAR growth, uh, moment. 
So we want to give them uh, great access. And, and I mean, you hear guys like Joey saying, I don't like it. It's, it's a little too evasive. I mean, that's where you're going to get the, the, the content though, is, is, is letting them in on your day and not changing what you do just because film or, uh, film crews around yeah i don't know what is being shot with other drivers but i will say i think if you're listening to this and you're a denny hamlin fan when this show comes out i think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised with the amount of access that you'll see because Mm -hmm. of which you've been given yeah and i mean i the other thing is too I, i do a lot of stuff not racing related right i mean you know whether it be the basketball league the golf league whatever it is like i'm i'm always doing other stuff and Mm -hmm. i always have i have a group of friends i hang around um you know i have got a bunch of you know kid time uh there was kind of a great moment that they got um with me and my kids after what race darlington darlington yeah one that 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 hurt (laughs) for sure with one that we dominated that race so yeah they uh they got some good stuff and i'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out but um yeah it's going well who has the trophy from the 2007 AT&T 250 at the Milwaukee Mile, you or Almirola? If neither, do you know what happened to it? And do you even want the trophy given the circumstances? I mean, I don't need the trophy, no. Um, do I want it? Eh, I wouldn't mind having one, but it's like, I get it. I don't know who has the trophy. Um, as far as I know, Eric says that he doesn't have it. I don't have it. I'm wondering for those if, who are unfamiliar with this, just a crew guy has it. For those who are unfamiliar with this situation, can you recount it real quick? Yeah, I was I was running cup and Eric was he in Xfinity? I can't even remember. It's been so long ago. I'm not sure if he was in Xfinity or just a test driver or something for us, but I was in Sonoma. Uh, on a cup race weekend, and we were in Milwaukee, which is the home of Rockwell Automation. Rockwell Automation was my very first Xfinity sponsor, and so it was a home race for them. It meant a lot for them. I had built a relationship with Rockwell, and they wanted to see me in the car. I flew back after practice. There was cars parked on the helipad. So I went from the airport and then was supposed to have a helicopter from the airport to the track. I get in the helicopter, and next thing you know, we're circling around. I'm like, what's going on? Why aren't we landing? They're, I see they're about to start the race. And he's like, there's cars parked on the helipad. I had to go land back at the airport, drive there, and by then, we were probably 15 laps into the race, something like that. And so Eric runs, and he's leading the race. He qualified on the pole and, and led the race. Now... We had helped, you know. First I, 59 laps. First, he, he raced in 50, the first? Yeah, 59. Of how many laps was it? I'll check that. Okay. Maybe it was 200, 250. 120. Uh, no, that's laps led. 250. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something real quick. All right. This is the 2007 AT&T 250 at the Milwaukee Mile. It's a mile-long racetrack. They run 200. I didn't hear you say the AT&T 250. I'm sorry. Did you hear the 250 part? No. AT&T is relevant. So anyway, here's... Just saying the math checks out. I, I got a message. I got a message from my crew chief. At the time was Dave Rogers. 
my now competition director at 2311. And he says, they want you in the car. And at this time, Eric is leading the race. And I'm like, I, I just look over at him. We're on the pit box. Race is going on. I, I, I give him the old, mm -mm. I'm, I'm not getting it. No way. I don't want to do it. He's fine. He's good. He's leading. They're like, okay. We're going to let him stay in there. But if he loses the lead or it looks like he's starting to struggle, they, they want you in the car. And so the whole time I'm sitting there going, please stay up front, Eric. Just please stay up front. And on lap 59, apparently, he lost the lead. And then he faded to third. And they're like, next pit stop you're getting in. I'm like, all right, let me do this. I did it. I went a lap down. I went maybe two down. Um, maybe it was one. Got the lucky dog back. And then how many laps did we lead? 100. Is that right? Uh, I don't see how many laps. Carl Edwards had the most with 123. Oh, okay. So anyway, we drove back to the front, won the race. And obviously there was, you could see the video of Eric. He's pissed off and people, crew guys are trying to talk to him and he's shrugging them off as he's walking back to the hauler after he got pulled out of the car. Um, he left the race before it ended. Yeah. So he didn't get the trophy. I I don't know where that trophy is. I'm thinking a crew member actually has that trophy. If you are the owner of that trophy, uh, I'll pay you a $500 finder's fee to return it. So what, what just, just for the story, because I want to, you know, when I'm older and this is all I've got is to tell old stories about, you know, old races, this is, it'd be a, it'd be a fun show and tell. Um, Eric Amarola, that was his, uh, congratulations. That was his only Xfinity win, I believe. No, wrong. He won at Sonoma this past year. Mm -hmm. It was his only win up until that point. He won that race because I remember, you know, it's interesting. What came to my head then was like the moment he had with his kids, but which I thought was just awesome. Um, so, yeah, he he's listed as the winner. I crossed the start finish line. Let's just say it was a team effort. It was a team effort all around and we won it together. That's a crazy set of circumstances. That's like in football, like, hey, a single drive without a first down, you're going to the bench. And yet got credited for the victory right yeah i mean i guess baseball and pitching it's probably somewhat like that right yeah, yeah you, you get credited to with a win but what's the you got to be leading yeah, yeah when you come out of the game when you come out of the game so yeah i guess it's yeah it's so, hold on travis you're a sports guy if a pitcher has a lead say it's six you have six to go to so, five you have to go so many innings though okay but then what if you lose the lead, but then your team comes back and wins? The, the pitcher that had, was out there yeah, when the lead was regained gets the win. I don't know how I'd relate it to this. And no, it's kind I'm of not this, sure I really want to. It's but. kind of the same thing. Whereas Eric was leading the race, and then he came out of the game. You came in, and you, 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 Denny got the save. It's a win and a save. <laughs> Eric got the win. Denny got the save. It's a 1-0 game. But he game. wasn't leading. He wasn't leading when he came out. Oh, it's uh, the closest we can come up yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, fun story. Um, 
It's in the past. It was 2007, so you know, a billion years ago. Uh, what else you got? Got uh, a review? A review. Yeah, this is a good one. This is from Matt Boltuck. I think I pronounced that right. I grew up a huge Jimmy Johnson fan. I always liked Denny growing up, but couldn't root for him during the 2010 chase. After listening to the podcast the last eight, month or so, eight months or so, Denny is undoubtedly one of my all-time favorite drivers. Pulling for the 11 car to win a championship more than ever this year. He's got a lifetime fan in me now. Awesome. Yeah, that, that 2010 chase with Jimmy, uh, heartbreaking. That that was certainly one where I look back and say, man, I could have done something different. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I can tell you about just how I handled that weekend. And clearly I just, uh, you know, I was nervous that weekend. I, I changed what I had been doing, what made me successful. Our car was really fast. Um, all year, I thought that we had the fastest car, um, and I just uh, I didn't get it done. You know, We just had uh, issues in qualifying. I second-guessed myself, started qualifying in a different spot because somebody ran a fast lap. Just I just didn't handle that right. I locked myself in my hotel room, wouldn't see any friends or family, and, and during Homestead weekend, championship weekends always fall on my birthday weekend up until the last couple years uh, when they moved it up one week. And yeah, I just remember like, no, I'm going to study. I'm going to watch film. I'm going to look at all this stuff. I don't want to see anyone. I just want to concentrate. And that was like the absolute wrong thing to, I needed to just play loose um, in the final week and didn't. Uh, again, that was the other one where we dominated Phoenix the week before. Um, and ran out of fuel because of a uh, fuel miscalculation. Um, that was the, the infamous taking the water bottle and throwing it up against the side of the car. Uh, my little tantrum there. Uh, so it was, a uh, it was a tough one because we had, we had Jimmy down, our foot was on his throat and it was, it was over. Uh, if we finished off Phoenix, like we had been running, we had dominated the race and, uh, just didn't do it. We we'd have had just to start our car at Homestead and and go collect our championship, but you know that forty eight team they were resilient. They they kept putting the pressure on us and and we folded in that last race. And so uh, just didn't work out. And you know that was probably the best opportunity I had as far as you know the car speed that that we brought to the racetrack. And me and Jimmy were basically racing heads up in that last race. I think we had fifteen points difference between us. I had a lead, so that means. Uh, he could have finished like two spots or if he finished two spots ahead of me, he would have won the championship or something like that. So um, I started in the back, got in a wreck because I was three wide and somebody, I just got squeezed and I went down to the bottom spun and it hurt the car and we never, never recovered. That was a bummer. Hated that weekend. Uh, you got a thanks. lifetime fan now though. Yeah. Well, thanks Matt. I uh, appreciate you tuning in. And uh, check us out next week after Homestead. And hopefully we give you all a little bit more better news than we had this week. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you all soon. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.